0: You're listening to The
1: Tech Box. Welcome everybody to episode 49 of The Tech Box. I'm David Rich and joined, I'll say as always because it rolls off the tongue, Mr James Honeyball. Hi James. Hey David, how's it going? Yeah, not so bad, not so bad. This is a quite quick turnaround speaking to yourself. Yeah, it's uh, not been too long since we last chatted. No, I think we did all the New Year
0: pleasantries and the Christmas pleasantries, so we can probably jump straight into it, but I trust that you're well. I'm very well. Aren't we headed to the sort of most depressing day of the year soon? I think that comes around uh, January, once uh, all of the excitement of Christmas and New Year's worn off. Well,
1: I never knew about that, so if I don't know about it, then maybe I won't be depressed, but now you've mentioned it...
0: You're feeling a bit down. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Although, i tell you what, the good thing is I have noticed that the days are starting to get a bit brighter in the evening. Yes, when the
1: children have me up at half past five in the morning as well, it's starting to get uh, a little bit lighter earlier.
0: Yeah, but uh, what, 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 what sort of time is it getting lighter? Probably a bit a bit past seven o'clock still though, isn't it? Yeah, about quarter to eight, half seven. Right. Yeah, so it's. I like it to be bright when I'm waking up. So I think we're probably a few weeks away from that yet. Yeah, it be the height of summer when it's all light at half past five for me. <laughs> well, that's your problem. You're getting up too early. I think you just need to lie in a bit. Oh, yeah, I'll
1: have a chat with the children and see what they reckon to that. Yeah. I'm sure they'll, they'll be on board, definitely. I don't know why I haven't thought of it earlier, to be honest.
0: That's <laughs> what I'm here for, to give you lots of really good uh, life hacks. Yes, amazing. <laughs> um,
1: so we've got a couple of things to chat about, and we're not going to delve massively into ces 2020 i think there was one thing we were going to touch on uh but you've got yourself another handset new phone
0: i have yeah, so i've been quite uh frugal with getting devices in and um have basically just been fairly happy with the uh iphone and haven't been tinkering but i did get very tempted by the oneplus 7t
1: Mm. So I was going to say it's all that eBay money burning a hole in your pocket. That's why. Well,
0: exactly. Yeah, I think that probably had something to do with it. To be honest. So, um, I've I've still got my LG G7 and my LG V30. The OnePlus 70 is being sold as um, all of the wonderful speed and stock Android of OnePlus's recent handsets, plus a 90 hertz refresh rate screen and fixed haptics. I say fixed because OnePlus has always had quite twangy, rubbish haptics. So, Mm. great haptics, great screen, no wasted pop-up camera nonsense. Sounded absolutely perfect. So I thought, okay, I'll go for this. And it was really that in in combination with the fact that uh, they were cheap to buy through uh, import. So you go on one of these uh, Hong Kong-based sites like gearbest or eGlobal or toby deals and they just had the chinese model flashed with the international rom for crazy prices so uh the one that i ordered was three it worked out to be 360 pounds for a 256 gig 8 gig of memory uh oneplus 70 so i thought okay
1: uh, not bad spec quite quite
0: a high spec a yeah lot of memory and I don't think you can, you can't argue with that, can you? And it, it, it proved to be too tempting. So I thought, right, okay, I'll just get it. It sounds too good to be true. So uh, this is where things start to take a little bit of a diversion because I got it for, I I ordered it from eGlobal Central UK, yeah, um, which I'd used before. And I'm conscious that there's always a bit of a risk when you use one of these uh, importing companies. Normally the risk is it just takes ages to turn up and you may get, Uh, some additional uh, import duty to pay or some VAT or whatever but I was quite happy with the you know the toss-up of uh, risk and reward here so I thought for that for that price I can't go wrong so ordered it and of course waited a little bit of time and if you don't get a dispatch notice within the first five six days you know that basically something's a little bit wrong so after kind of, I think it was probably 10 days, I contacted them and I said, okay, it, what, you know, what's the hold up? Uh, and eventually they sort of said, oh, well, yeah, we don't have that in stock. Obviously it's still, it at the time it was advertised in stock and it's still advertised in stock. Um, so I thought, okay, well, I'll just wait a bit because I've got this great price. The price is fluctuating a little bit, but it genuinely has been edging up a little bit. So I thought, okay, I'll just wait. And then after a month... I just thought, no, I can't wait any longer. You know, it's, I I don't know what the reason is why they're not um, able to source it. um, Because it's, I imagine it's a fairly popular model. I just thought, okay, cancel. Can I get this from the UK? Now, the UK price is £550. So quite Mm, a big difference. Yeah, massive, massive difference. But I'd kind of, at this point, I'd kind of got my heart set on getting hold of one. So what I did was I look, I took all of my ca- top cashback money. I don't know if you use any of these cashback sites. Yeah,
1: I, I've not been as successful as the likes of you and and Richard. You do sound like you you get a lot of it. I've had well,
0: like £1.98. Well, the thing the thing for me is that I booked a particularly expensive holiday last year uh, through this top cashback, so I had fifty quid straight off the bat for that. Um, mm. I also had little bits and bobs that I'd where I'd remembered, and it it. it Came to about 70 pounds worth of sort of cash back. There, I also had a couple of um vouchers that I could cash in, um, and I also got some money off through work. Um, so eventually I ended up getting it for uh through a UK. I went through John Lewis and I added up all of the vouchers that I'd got. I used my um money off uh capability as well, and it came out about 420. Which I think is just about reasonable in terms of it's still a good price, I think.
1: Yeah, it's not five hundred and fifty, but it's also not three hundred and seventy. Would they have told you if they? So you you said that you
0: had to instigate the whole "Where's my phone?" email oh, chain. Yeah, they I have imagine. Told you? That, I don't think so. I think they just would have left it. I, I think that what I think that sort of business model you just rely on. Mm, slightly questionable tactics like that you know you'd probably mm. leave it and you might cancel it in six months if the phone you know you didn't get a deal on the phone to be able to satisfy it but i think you'd probably um probably keep it uh, for as long as possible you see they'd already taken the money off my credit card yeah and do, do little- you
1: remember the website expanses
0: yes yeah 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 see i did something similar to them i placed
1: their order for a sony oaks and m600 back in the day okay yeah um, Cance- Cancelled it down. They didn't have it in stock. So then I went and uh, I got one through a carrier. Um, next thing you know, one tips up on my door. I'd Been charged for it. Um, when it as soon as so as soon as they come back into stock, they literally just charged me. So ah uh,
0: okay um, yeah not, not funny. <laughs> that's uh, that that's not great either. But it's I could almost put that down to a bit of a mistake or a bug in their system. Yeah.
1: You're not going to get a second 70, are you, from uh, eGlobal at any time soon? Well,
0: this is the thing. So they'd taken the money off my card. And then when I, they had been very unresponsive to me saying, look, where is it? You know, please tell me what the status is. Have you got any other colours or specs in stock? All this kind of stuff. Didn't get a reply to those. Um, As soon as I cancelled it, fair play, I got an immediate response saying, okay, we've cancelled it. Mm. Um but what they said was we don't need to ref- we won't refund you because we only put a hold on your card, we didn't take any of the money.
1: We'll wait for it to drop off, basically.
0: Wait for what to drop off? The cha- the hold on the card to drop off. Well that's off. that's right. So I kept looking at my uh credit card and now nah, it doesn't look like a hold, that looks mm. like a proper charge. And I phoned up um Barclay Card, is it who I got it through, um, and they said, you know, no, this is you know, you're going to have to raise a dispute here. So, okay, I raised a dispute, and um, they said that they'd send me uh, some documentation to sort of fill out a, a you know, some sort of witness statement, I guess, but um, that has now been refunded, and I don't know whether that was because uh, of what the conversation I had with Barclaycard or the email that I sent to eGlobal telling them that this was the course of action that I was going to take. Anyway, yeah. it's, it's not really um, it left me with a Particularly good um, impression, but I have to be honest. You know, this is the risk that you have when you use these kind of companies, and so you sort of say, "There, well, would I do it again?" Well, I probably would if the if the device and the money um, looked as appealing uh, as that. So yeah. Anyway, I got it through John Lewis, and of course they turned it around. I think I ordered it late one day, and it came. You know midday the following day so you know fantastic service um i had it delivered to one of those locker things so yeah, that was all good. nice and convenient and uh, the phone is very nice so how's the
1: screen how's the 90 hertz my my only sort of comparison is the iPad Pro with the 120 hertz refresh rate
0: yeah so this is one of the observations so the thing about the 120 hertz screen on the iPad Pro is that the iPad Pro maintains that frame rate and that frame rate is fairly consistent throughout the apps on the OnePlus 7T you can tell that when you're doing some scrolling in some apps that it is going faster than 60 so it's fine it's going at 90 but the slightly annoying thing is that Android is not quite as consistent with its scrolling uh, across all different apps and within the OS and everything else so sometimes it feels really good other times There's a little bit of lag, you know, it's like lagging at 90 frames a second, but it's not tracking your finger in the same way that um, it does on the iPhone. And it's the variability of it throughout different apps that really stops it being a fantastic experience like it is on the iPad. So it's still welcome and I still appreciate it, but it doesn't quite have the wow factor it does on the iPad.
1: So other than the wow factor functionally, Does it bring anything else to the table having a 90 hertz screen? I mean, you can sort of say on the iPad you have the pen and all that sort of stuff. What's it offer you on a phone? Because I've I've only used the iPhone, so I've I've not really got a comparison in in phone terms.
0: I mean, it's it's certainly pleasant to
1: use. Um, So it's just pleasant. It's just there's no functional benefit. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: No, it just makes it more responsive. I mean, yeah. It certainly feels nicer when you're using it. Okay. Um, yeah,
1: I suppose that's enough for anything, isn't it? Why do we buy? Why do we buy anything? Yeah. yeah.
0: So that aspect of it is really good. Um, and so overall, I think it's a really great phone. But there's only a, there's a there's a few niggles that I have with it. But I mean, the, the first thing to say would be um, it is a fantastic phone. It's super fast. It is genuinely maybe ten fifteen percent faster than any android phone i've used previously so things like just the launch speed you know you tap an app and it's launched very quickly so nine times out of ten it does seem to launch from memory in which case it's almost instantaneous but even where you can see it's loading it just loads it really really quickly so that's all good you know and i think that's the best thing about it to be honest the camera is pretty good um no is it a is it a jumpy uppy camera is it uh, in terms of the pop-up camera? Yes. No, no, no. So the good thing about the 7T is the front-facing camera is just a teardrop notch on the front. Right, okay. And then it's it has this kind of Nokia 1020-style big circular disc on the back, which houses uh, three lenses, a telephoto, a wide, and a super wide. I probably should have a look. Let's have a look.
1: Ah, yes. It's very 1020-ish, isn't it?
0: Mm. But it yeah. is... Overall, excellent. So the the slight problems that I have with it, um, the main one is it's just too big. Uh, I think I'm used to having a phone that is of the kind of iPhone X, iPhone 11 Pro size. And this is just a little bit too big. It's a little bit unwieldy. Uh, I do like the gesture navigation. That's really nice. And that kind of helps with the size because you can kind of... um, swipe around without uh, having to reach too far to sort of get back buttons and things like that. So that's really nice. Um, Mm. The OnePlus skin is good in terms of uh, it is fairly lightweight. And I haven't, I've played about with putting Nova on there, but actually the stock skin is is perfectly usable. Really nice. Um, The screen brightness is odd. I think every time I go to use it, it, the brightness always seems to be set a little bit too dim tends to be too dim rather than too bright but that's a problem that I haven't had recently on a phone do you know what I mean when I'm using the iPhone it's almost always at the right brightness level and maybe once or twice a week I'll have to tweak the brightness but on the 7T it does seem to be often when you look when you get the phone out you go to use it you're like oh the screen brightness is a bit wrong so there was a feature in Android pie i think which is supposed to learn your preferences for the brightness and tweak it over time so maybe it'll improve over time but um yeah I, I i also see a few little graphical glitches occasionally when i'm loading an app or navigating through an app and i don't know whether that is um the apps themselves or uh the phone itself, it's a bit difficult to tell, really. But, um, yeah, there has been a few um, sort of flickers and glitches on the graphic side. Um, and I'm just looking through the marketing speak
1: on the website here. Under performance, um, it, it says about 128 gig of UFS 3 storage. Yeah. And it also then says RAM boost intelligently optimizes memory usage over time for smoother app
0: performance. I think that just means that the way I understand it, having read descriptions like that, is that it the just the apps that you use the most often, it will stay uh, in RAM? Yeah. It won't kill them out of RAM as readily. So mm. if you're always using Telegram, for instance, it will try and not kill that um, when it's deciding which app to kill.
1: Well it's easily done with eight gig. I
0: should imagine you don't really have to. Uh, you'd think that, wouldn't you? You'd be able to. You'd, yeah. you'd be able to because I don't play games, which I imagine would take a lot of RAM. You'd yeah. think that you'd essentially be able to keep all of my apps in RAM. But there you go. It, obviously, there is some killing because I do see that. Do see it reloading every now and again.
1: Yeah. Well, you were saying about the size of it. I'm just looking six and a half inches, six point five five inch. So that's Pro Max territory, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And it's yeah. probably fine compared to a pro max but because i use the little pro um it does feel a little bit big i mean i
1: I went down to the 11 and that feels much more comfortable at 6.1 than it did at 6.5
0: uh yeah 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 and it's got a little bit chunkier bezels on that as well isn't it and it's a little bit thicker i think but it's still probably a bit smaller than this the other thing about this is it's got a particularly tall screen it's got an excessively tall screen because it doesn't have the you know because the gestures work so nicely and the gesture sort of swipe bar thing at the bottom takes up so little room you don't need it to be so vertically tall it could do with having a centimeter taken off it to be honest
1: 20 by 9 aspect ratio it
0: says yeah so it's like more than two to one aspect ratio i think that's just literally too much.
1: Yeah, I I can't picture that. I mean, what did the Samsungs have? Is that 10 to 1, was it? No, no I, 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 can't <laughs> I can't
0: remember. Yeah, that- I can't remember. So certainly 18, 19 has been popular. Yeah. Um, although, you know, 21, I think, is the uh, Sony one, isn't it? With the um, fully kind of cinema scope type uh, display on it. So I mean, it's good for... Uh, watching videos and things on it I have noticed that the screen I can't get the screen sort of uh, colour uh, calibration exactly as good as like an iPhone uh, 11 Pro screen but perhaps that's to be expected I, I think. Is this a second phone or a main phone then James? Well I think it's a second phone at the moment yeah um, I think it'd be difficult to dislodge the um, iPhone 11 as the main phone to be honest yeah. Um I, the one thing is it's it's kind of if if I compare it to my LG uh, G7 and V30 I was doing I was checking on a couple of sort of specifications and obviously it lacks the headphone jack that's kind of obvious and a bit disappointing really and the wireless charging as well um when you're talking about a phone that is 550 pounds retail that's starting to get a little bit too expensive not to have some of these features. I mean, if you remember when the OnePlus One first launched, that was the minimum price there was two hundred and twenty nine pound, and you know that was an absolute bargain. That was like a fairly cheap mid range price with top of the range specs. We've now got mostly top of the range specs, but we're we're charging decent money for it, and we're leaving off a couple of fairly essential features.
1: What's the difference between the 7T and the 7 then, other than I'm just looking uh, size-wise?
0: So I don't think there's much difference at all between the 7 and the 7T. I think it's just that the 7T has got the slightly uprated um, Snapdragon processor in it. It's got the 855 Plus. Right. And, of course, it has the 90Hz screen. Okay. pretty much everything else is the same.
1: Yeah, and then you've got the 7 Pro as well. It's not half confusing, isn't it?
0: Um, or oh, the other thing I've remembered is it's uh, it's got the three cameras. I think it was still just the two cameras on the on the seven.
1: Right, yeah, there's three on the Pro. Yeah,
0: um, and on the Pro as well. So the Pro, uh, to be honest, the Pro's just got um, a slightly higher resolution screen, okay. and rather than the teardrop notch, it's got the old um, pop-up selfie camera. Yes,
1: that, maybe that's what I was thinking of. I knew there was there was one kicking about there. I'm just defending my sanity. <laughs> I
0: knew it, really.
1: So you're going to keep this for a while, or are you planning yeah, I think on I, I moving think I will, on?
0: I think I will keep it for a while, because it is the fastest and most stockish uh, Android phone. So it's a good thing to play with, I think.
1: Um, so I, I, I don't pay as much attention to um, to uh, CS anymore, really. It's just by and by. I think once upon a time, I would have done. Uh, but there was one thing that's that's caught my eye from... From the event this year, and I don't know, you're gonna think I'm crazy, but it's all the uh, not foldable
0: phones, it's the foldable laptops that, that I like the look of. Oh, yeah, I um. I mean, why the- do you like the look of them? Because I see them and I think, okay, that's relatively curious, but I don't look at them and say, oh, I need one of these. I it's hard to ping my finger on. I think it's because
1: laptops have been very, very samey. For a long, long time, and a lot of them, I see what you mean. They're not bringing anything to the table, are they? They're, you know where your keyboard usually is is an extra bit of key, a bit of screen. Okay, you can either have an on-screen keyboard there, or to get that functionality back, a lot of them are just putting a blue, a, a a keyboard that lays over the over the screen. Yeah, um, but I don't know. Um, I still really, really like it. I still like the look of it. I, I think. It'd be interesting to see where they go with it. To be perfectly honest,
0: and I'd I'd like to use one. I really would. Is it something that you would watch a film on with that extra size? Are you able to like fold it flat, and it yeah. look like a big widescreen TV or or not? Yeah,
1: yeah, pretty much. I mean, one of the ones I was looking at was the uh, the Nova, the ThinkPad X One Fold. So they have, you know, they're not just concepts. I think these are definitely coming out. Lenovo are bringing this out. And yeah, it is basically like taking maybe a 12-inch iPad Pro and folding it in half and being able to use it as a laptop with a stick-on Bluetooth sort of keyboard or even, you know, a an on-screen keyboard and then folding it open. You've got something the size of an iPad Pro and you can tilt it to the... Tilt it into landscape mode and watch your film. You can even pair just a normal Bluetooth keyboard and have a, a, a you know a really wide screen. I don't know.
0: It just it's the future, James. I think you're selling it a bit better <laughs> to me than um, just watching the clips and everything that I've seen from CES. I think um, it's they, versatile, they, isn't it? It's versatile. I think the videos that I saw did make the screens look a little bit crinkly and rubbish. Hmm.
1: Well they are going to be, are not they? because it is plastic. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm hoping they nail that one down, but I, I it's it's just one step closer to my whole computer brain in your pocket connect any any device up to it, you know, connect your screen, connect your, your slab of glass for your mobile. You know, it's just one more step. Let's yeah. let's take the intelligence out of it and let's just have a foldable screen that connects to my
0: my brain that
1: I can update every year or so.
0: Yeah, I suppose if they if they um make it so that the screen does feel good, then uh, I it doesn't sort of feel all crinkled and plasticky and cheap. Then um Yeah. But don't you
1: don't you put a screen protector interested. on them anyway?
0: So don't all oh, screen protectors no feel one, like that? No one I mean I put a screen protector on my phone, but I wouldn't put a screen protector on my laptop. People people put them on tablets though. Do you, do you put them on a tablet? I don't because normally I have like a little flip cover covering the front of my tablets
1: right yeah i well i used to when i was in my crazy days obviously i don't anymore um and i just used to put a plastic one on them so
0: is it not just like touching that i don't know I, yeah it would I, be i think I, you're right that's a good um that would be a good um equivalent i think using like an ipad with like a plastic screen protector on because i imagine that would be fairly gross yeah
1: um I
0: I mean needless to say people think it's a rubbish idea.
1: You read some of the comments on these posts and people are like what 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 is going on here? But I I think it's going to take off. It's the next big thing in my in my head anyway. Do you think what do you think of these? Do you think they're more useful foldable laptops versus foldable phones or do you think foldable phones probably have more application?
0: Well, until we had this little chat, I was kind of definitely on the folding phone side. But um, actually, maybe the folding laptop would be. I'm trying to think of how, if it was like perfectly, if it was a perfect machine, i.e. super thin, Mm. and you folded it out and you could kind of have like iPad style touch typing on that bottom half, um, but be able to move that... um, keyboard out the way a bit like you do move it out the way on an ipad if you're using it without a keyboard or something yeah um then it could be quite interesting couldn't it because you could start to have you know additional uh input or just different uh windows and stuff down there because you i suppose you're not constantly necessarily typing away on your keyboard so yeah maybe maybe it would be quite interesting if it was done in a really sleek way and uh they'd got over the problem of having um a horrible plasticky screen. I think it could be um it could be quite a nice form factor. I think with the foldable phones, um, I haven't seen one yet that I would be remotely interested in. Um mm. not just with price, but with you know, even if they were super no, not super cheap, but even if they were quite affordable. Um I still haven't seen a, a foldable phone. I suppose we've only really got two really um the Samsung Fold original and the Motorola Razr neither of those really appeal that much to me. I mean the Razr would be okay. Um but what is it what is it giving me that a a phone of its size once it's unfolded isn't giving me and is probably better.
1: I I just think people are going down on foldable stuff. I I really like the idea. I I think the laptop's got more usefulness, more application than the phone, but I can equally see that as being small device to large screen. Um, you know, it would, for me, they have to go from being usable one hand to something tablet size. That's, yeah. that's the application
0: for me. Yeah, not, yeah, that's a good judgment, yeah. So the Razer phone, where it's just
1: a normal phone size, I can sort of see why that's gimmicky. and But also, I can see why they've done it. You know, it's nostalgia, it's all that. It's not really usefulness. But certainly going something from Something that you use at a phone size, maybe six and a half inch or six point one, to something you know, iPad Mini or just oversized. That that for me is the sort of the the market gap, and I th- I think so. Sort of, I look at the laptops in the same way, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I think if you got up, you know that Huawei Mate X, if yes. you had one of those that was the same size, no, certainly no bigger for me than an iPhone X when folded, and that's in all dimensions and weight included, but you could sort of peel the back round and open it out to a super thin tablet, then, yeah, that could be quite interesting. But I think we're three or four years away from that, aren't
1: we? Just think if we could fold them into four pieces. Just how <laughs> we'll how do big do double could we fold. Yeah, like, a, are we going, I, I don't think they're going away. I think people
0: think that they will go away. Uh, like 3D televisions. I don't think the concept of a fo- of a flexible screen will go away, but where that gets applied, I think we'll have to wait and see. So it can get applied in many different ways and mm. it could be that we have more of this kind of um wrap around screens on on solid phones and things like that. But I yeah, I'm not sure that foldable phones and I don't I don't know. I can't really see them becoming mainstream. I mean, are we saying that we're all going to go back to flip phones?
1: No, but the merging of a phone and tablet, I think, is a very compelling use case. Yeah. I do. I, do well, we'll see. I, I don't know. I do a lot of my computing on a phone. I've got devices left, right, and centre, but I'll pick up the phone because I can walk it around with me, prop it up when I'm in the bathroom, or you know what I mean. But and to have that versatility on a larger screen without having the bulk.
0: I like the idea, but maybe
1: I'm just an oddball.
0: I think you're you're making you're you're getting me to come round to the foldable screened laptop because mm. laptops already are clamshells that fold. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. you're not changing the form factor. You're just basically removing the keyboard, which Apple essentially did uh, in 2016 with the uh, or 2015 with the uh, MacBook Butterfly Super Thin Keyboard, <laughs> where it, you were basically typing on something that wasn't giving you any feedback or give anyway. I, I do that um, daily. <laughs> yeah, so it's not much worse than that. Um yeah. plus you have all the benefits of being able to use a screen. Now I'd for typing I would prefer a proper keyboard. But if my laptop I happened to only be entering text as much as I do on a phone or a tablet, then maybe having a full screen uh, laptop would be good. So yeah, I think um I think you've persuaded me that I need to be excited about the foldable screened laptops and um, I'll continue to be sceptical of the phones, I think. I'll chalk that up as a victory then. Yeah, I think you've uh, you've achieved something there.
1: So I think we've got time to shoehorn one more thing in. I, I think you've been building some NASIs,
0: some network attached storage. Yeah, so I think we mentioned, I think we touched on this uh, one or two shows ago. So... Uh, I basically ran out of space on my NAS. So I, I use my network attached storage to, I, I sort of burn my CD, uh, well, yeah, CDs, DVDs, Blu-rays uh, onto this. And you do this, have a massive collection. Yeah, on, onto my NAS. And therefore I can view them all around the house without the faff of getting the right Blu-ray out of its box and, you know, uh, they're all in the garage anyway, so they're not exactly to hand, and I've got loads of them. So, and it's a bit like the music as well. You know, you don't want to fish around uh, looking through all your CDs for the CD that you want to play. I mean, that's um, archaic to do that. So, you've got to put all this media onto hard drives and then serve them around the house on the network. I think that's just the modern way. Yeah. Um, but of course, you keep burning Blu-rays, and you know, you don't spend the time to re-encode them. Either because you just haven't got, you know, can't be uh, faffed to do to do that, or actually you want to preserve them in as high quality as possible. So uh, there's some Blu-rays where I probably wouldn't mind if they were smaller, but I haven't got round to compressing them. Other ones where actually now I want to maintain as high quality for this um, film as possible. So basically, I had to upgrade the NAS from being eight four terabyte drives to eight eight terabyte drives. And that is uh, quite an undertaking.
1: It's a very expensive undertaking as well, because I was cruising for some six terabyte um, drives to maybe do something with my NAS. And uh, they're not cheap, James. They're not cheap. And and didn't we establish that you didn't have a UPS as well on these expensive?
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm still not convinced that um, when the power cuts that... It's gonna. All the sort of hard drives are gonna self-destruct because no. I'm sure they fail safe these days. I think that was a risk on I'm old glad, ones.
1: I'm, I'm glad that you're willing to take that risk. You know, for the cost of a fraction of the cost of one of them drives, you could negate that. But hey, it's, uh, it's a yeah, Peace of I mind.
0: Now that you remind me, I probably do need to get round <laughs> to um, attaching a uh, a UPS to it. So so. So you haven't you haven't bought an off the
1: shelf one. I I've, I've bought a Synology. I use Synology. You've built yours. Yeah. Um so,
0: what are you using to manage it? So it's a Silverstone 8 bay uh NAS chassis. It's like a normal PC case, but it has uh eight drive bays in the front. Um and and they're hot swappable and you can pull them out, can you? They you I think they are hot swappable. Yeah. Um, obviously, when you're replacing a disk, it's no hardship when it's in your home just to turn it off for a couple of hours whilst you fish around with the disk, put a new one in, make sure that it you sort of um, put it back into the RAID array correctly. You know, so what I'll normally do is I'll sort of plug the NAS into like a keyboard and monitor and sort of do any sort of admin work directly rather than all trying to do it all remotely. But yeah, I think they are hot swappable anyway. Hmm. Um but yeah, it's just uh, got uh, an, an Intel um board in there and a an old well, old now but previously obviously new uh, Xeon uh, CPU and it's got uh, ECC uh, RAM so it should be super stable and it to be honest it has been super stable. I've had it for um what seems like years i mean i think it has been several years that i've had this uh, nas i've never had any problems with it um so it is super reliable and i use free nas um and i generally don't muck about with putting lots of additional features onto the nas i just leave it uh as a file store and um i'll muck about with you know plex server and all all other things are on various other machines they're not actually on this nas so so i like i said
1: i use synology i use a two bay at the moment um and it's it's a fair few years old now i think i picked it up off ebay because even second hand i was looking at like 200 pound for the enclosure yeah um would you i don't know see i'm a a dab hand I, i could build something but I like the software that, that Synology runs. What's the Just out of curiosity, so looking at the latest 5 base Synology, you're looking at about £650 with no discs. Yes. Um, and, and that's for a Celeron processor with 8 gig of RAM. Is it, is it more cost-effective to build your own and take that time?
0: I think it probably is just about still cost-effective to build your own because... Okay. Um, you basically just need any old PC you can just convert into a NAS. You know, you can mm. take your old desktop PC, shove a load of disks in it, load up free NAS on it, and it, there you go, it's a NAS. So you you could probably do it for fairly, I mean, you could get a second-hand desktop PC, I reckon, for peanuts on eBay or something. Well, I, I was lo- I was looking this week, James, and
1: um, the Dell Refurbish website, um, they had 47% off until today. You could pick up uh, you know, an i3 machine with 8 gig of RAM for £98. It was crazy.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So that's kind of what I mean in terms of you'd just be able to do that. But yeah. these, the, these new Synologies do look quite tempting. And mm. you've got to start weighing up the hassle of installing your own NAS software and configuring that through a either the command line or a GUI that perhaps is not going to be quite as user-friendly as the Synology one. Yeah, weigh that up against just going out and getting the completed um, system, and all you have to do is add discs. And that Synology DS ten nineteen plus, which is the one that's like six hundred quid, that does look really nice. And one of the features that it's got that's really tempting is it's advertising itself as having um, hardware transcoding for Plex. Um, So you know, I would put my Plex server on that uh, NAS if I had it, and yeah, being able to transcode 4K uh videos which is quite impressive really. Well, you've already um, got the disks. You can just buy the unit. Yeah, well, I'm kind of I'm kind of fixed in my ways now of having <laughs> my own free NAS, NAS and a separate Plex server, but this does look a very tempting option. Uh, you'd probably have to get slightly bigger drives, but that's probably not too much of a problem. Um, just, just for the sim- so, just so I can gauge
1: which one I would prefer. If you change your discs, yeah, do you have to configure those in FreeNAS? Because in the Synology, I would just put the new drives in and it would sort itself out.
0: I've had to replace a couple of discs in uh, my NAS. I think I did it last year or the year before, and. Um, what did i do i think you just i think there's a fairly straightforward interface on there where you just it says that these discs have reported um some slightly dodgy sectors yeah and as soon as you see that you sort of go to swap it out so i think you mark it you sort of take it out of the pool yeah so um so i then, had
1: that with the synology okay. it found 30 bad sectors and it marked the disc as unusable
0: oh right okay that's a bit drastic yeah yeah. Um, certainly, FreeNAS will continue to work with these disks. It will just report and say, "By the way, you know these disks are going wrong. You may wish to think about um, doing something about it, but it doesn't force you to do that."
1: Mm. Yeah, it, it 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 forced me. So it went from two drive with the drive redundancy down to one. So it made me do made me
0: buy a new one. <laughs> the, the the hilarious thing that I had with this was I put the new discs in. I, I, I sort of booted it up and was sort of playing about with it and configuring it. And kind of probably about an hour later, I went back to the um, main home page of the um, FreeNAS sort of web UI. And uh, I noticed that one that one of the thing one of the sort of panels was red. And I looked at it and the drives were, had totally overheated or they were overheating. They were like 70 degrees C, which is far yeah, above the operating degree, temperature. Yeah. And what it is, is that obviously the previous disks had run a lot cooler and I didn't need to do anything about the the cooling through the system. So now to uh, handle these eight terabyte disks, I need to leave the front of the case open and I've had to put a better fan in the back.
1: Hmm well just think it could have been so much worse you could have been copying all your data back onto the new drives and had a power cut with no ups
0: well i was was gonna say if i if i don't fry (laughs) the drives with overheating or with a power cut um something else is going to go wrong so yeah i'm a little bit annoyed with that because they these hard drives these days they record what their maximum temperature is so those drives will forever you know, if I ever try to sell them on um, once I finish using them, um, they'll forever say, yes, uh, the previous owner of this drive um, fried me at 70 degrees, even though they were only at 70 degrees for probably half an hour. Um, and it doesn't, obviously doesn't seem to have killed any of them. It's just unfortunate that that happened.
1: So it always makes me laugh. People like use hard drives and things from old skyboxes. I I was just thinking that as you were talking about, about the drives recording things, I have some really old Sky boxes that are like ten or twelve years old, and we still use them. We still use them actively as our Sky recording boxes. I have had to replace the drive in my Synology um, pretty recently. You've had to replace drives in your. Well, you've yeah. got bad sectors. Can you only
0: imagine what they what those drives are actually <laughs> performing like? What like the ones in the sky boxes yeah oh, the thing is i've had uh, when i used to have the old uh skyboxes um my sky q box has been fine but when i used to have the old sort of sky hd boxes the hard drives would go every now and again mm, and you'd right, have to okay. uh i think you know you'd try and i think um there were certain models where you could um, chance your arm and put your own disc in there. Um, yeah, I, I, there's loads of
1: guides on the internet about upgrading yeah. them to like two terabyte drives and stuff.
0: So yeah. It is, it is possible. But they're generally pretty reliable, the discs in there, aren't they? I mean, if you think about it, especially also that they, they tend to get quite hot as well because people yeah. will tend to stuff their skybox into a, a little cupboard or, or something, close the door, you know, and obviously it'll heat up a bit like my uh, NAS hard drives did, but for probably yeah. for a much longer time.
1: Yeah, they may be using super drives. Maybe we
0: just need to buy a load of sky and use their drives because they're never going to fail. Well, they're start- this is the interesting thing about these spinning hard drives these days is that they have different varieties of different types of drives. So they'll have some drives that are expressly designed to. Uh, go into DVRs, into skyboxes and such. They'll have Mm. drives that are specially designed to be used for like surveillance cameras and they'll have hard drives that are specially designed to go into a NAS and they'll have drives that are specially designed to go into a desktop. And I always think it's a bit curious that they they have these drives that they've tuned for different markets but thinking about it, it does make a little bit of sense because on a NAS drive, um, they want to fail. If it's going to fail, they want to move on you know, and, and just process the next bit of data in the knowledge that um, the fact that it hasn't been able to retrieve a bit of data, some other drives are going to pick up the slack there because there's yeah. um, redundancy across the disks. Whereas a desktop drive... No, it, it'll it keep retrying to try and get the data out of this drive because it knows it's likely to be the only store of that data. So there's the behavior is slightly different between a NAS drive and a desktop drive, or it certainly used to be. Um, and also a NAS drive knows that it's going to be in a machine or rack with four, six, eight, twelve 12 other hard drives. So it's going to have much more vibration going on. So does it need additional dampening? Does it need to handle that you know in some other way so it's interesting that there are these hard drives are kind of being designed for and tuned for different segments
1: well it's definitely a good job you got those non-ups drives uh, yeah so. special
0: non-ups drives exactly. <laughs> okay
1: i won't ramble about skyboxes anymore is there anything else you want to add or uh, i think that's
0: uh good for now
1: yeah okay well um we'll be back again probably a couple of weeks two or three weeks Uh, But until then, James, um, take care, and I'll speak to you soon, and uh, to the listeners,
0: again, speak to you soon. Cheers, Dave. Thanks a lot. Bye.